so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. As a reminder, you can sign up to receive our Weekly Tech email briefings each Monday morning at jasonthacker.com weeklytech. In today's lead story, we talk about the continued rise of digital authoritarianism throughout our world and the contentious elections in Belarus. On Sunday, August 9th, the country of Belarus held a national election where President Alexander Lukashenko won in a landslide victory claiming an implausible 80% of the vote. Since those results, the nation has experienced mass protest over the controversial election and the opposition leader Svetlana Tikhanovskaya has fled to the neighboring Lithuania for safety. Tikhanovskaya became the opposition candidate after her husband was jailed by the Lukashenko regime. She gained mass support with younger Belarusians by utilizing the power of social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to share her message and organize large rallies. Following the election, Lukashenko's regime reportedly shut down the internet in hopes of quelling protest and widespread unrest in the nation, which is especially high given the failure of the regime to slow down the spread of the COVID-19 virus. This widespread internet blackout prevents dissidents from connecting with each other and with the outside world. If you're anything like me, you might not know exactly where the country of Belarus is. It's in Eastern Europe and it's bordered by Russia and Poland. Lukashenko has served as president for over 26 years after being elected in 1994. Lukashenko is known as Europe's last dictator and also has ties to the Soviet Union. The internet shutdown began on Sunday and it continued throughout the week. And it was widely assumed the Lukashenko government instituted the complete shutdown of internet connectivity throughout the country to quell the mass protests that were forming. Nationwide protests broke out in response to this rig election, mainly focused in the capital city of Minsk. Soon after the government released the results, President Xi Jinping of China and Vladimir Putin of Russia quickly endorsed the results of the election, even as the opposition leader continued to claim that she rightfully won the election. The results of the election were so contentious that the United States Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the Monday after the election that the election in Belarus was not free or fair, adding that the United States strongly condemns the ongoing violence against protesters, the detention of opposition supporters, as well as the use of internet blackouts and shutdowns to hinder the ability of the Belarusian people to share information about the election and the demonstrations. So you might be wondering, how did we get here? With so much of our daily lives and community tied to technology, especially the Internet, it's no wonder that authoritarian regimes throughout the world would seek to leverage these tools and ways to suppress dissidents and retain their political power over people. 
This is known as digital authoritarianism and is not just contained to nations like Russia and China. Many nations like Iran have used this clampdown on internet and other technologies in order to stamp out opposition and to maintain power over their people. Wired reports that Belarus has a fairly centralized internet infrastructure, making it relatively straightforward to pull the plug once you've laid the initial groundwork. They continue to say that especially with state-owned companies controlling both the mobile data network and the country's interconnection points with the international internet. Now, you might be wondering, why is this important for us to talk about here on Weekly Tech? Under Lukashenko's regime, the government of Belarus has been shown to be responsible for the disappearance of many opposition leaders, the spread of propaganda, election fraud, and the persecution of many non-government organizations or NGOs, including independent journalists and many national minorities. In the West, we've grown accustomed to these various freedoms that we experience each day and often forget that there are millions of people worldwide living under the repressive hand of an authoritarian regime like that of Belarus. The Internet is a powerful tool of communication that can be used in unprecedented ways. It can be used to promote human flourishing and also democratize various information throughout the world. But it can also be used to open doors to atrocities and violations of basic human rights in the hands of these authoritarian leaders. Now, Belarus has an abysmal record when it comes to civil liberties, human rights, and Internet freedom, according to a 2020 report from Freedom House. While it might seem foreign to us here in the United States, it's becoming increasingly common for authoritarian regimes like China, Iran, and now Belarus to clamp down on dissonance and deny basic human rights and dignity to their people, all in hopes of retaining power and position over these citizens. A Christian's responsibility is to stand up against these authoritarian regimes. Every human life is valuable, and these freedoms are not the government's to grant nor to take away. A government does not have the power to institute an internet blackout at will in order to re-centralize power and deny human rights to people, nor should it have the power to rig elections or jail the opposition to retain a ruling authority. In light of a lot of these authoritarian abuses of technology and internet blackouts, leaders throughout the world are now watching to see how we will respond to these abuses of power. If left unchecked, human rights violations will only continue to grow. Part of any international strategy or foreign policy must be centered on human rights about countering these nations and regimes morally as we call for accountability and freedom for all people throughout the world. If you want to read more about this story, you can check out the show notes or visit jasonthacker.com slash podcast for a link to the article that I wrote on Belarus and authoritarian regimes. Next up is The Rundown, where we focus on four to five different technology stories that you should be aware of as you prepare for the week ahead. First is a story by NBC News, where new documents show that QAnon groups have millions of members on Facebook. QAnon is a far-right conspiracy theory group that professes belief in a deep state that uses a variety of nefarious means such as the manufacturing of the COVID-19 pandemic in order to take down the President of the United States. Its dependence on Facebook groups has been a means of messaging and coalition building that's prompted an investigation which found that the collective population of these QAnon groups exceeds over 3 million members. While Facebook has taken many previous measures in the past to regulate misinformation and other extremist hallmarks of various QAnon supporters, the company is expected to follow Twitter's footsteps in taking very harsh measures leading up to the presidential election. 
While Christians are free to disagree about the various content moderation policies of Facebook and Twitter, we should be aware of this false and hateful information that exists on the internet and use vigilance when we engage with our neighbors on these platforms and be very cautious about the information we share. Next up is a story from The Verge about how TikTok has announced the first wave of its creators are set to receive payment for their videos. While its standing in America is still very much in question, TikTok announced that its initial payouts from the $2 million creators fund are set to be made to a number of select viral video users. This is the first phase of a project that the company hopes will grow into a billion-dollar fund over the next three years. Up until now, popular TikTokers could only hope to make money on their productions mainly as brand ambassadors. But in light of Instagram's recent release of Reels, content creators now have an extra incentive to remain on TikTok. Not only will this move many of its users from moving over to Facebook, these type of payments to American creators might also alleviate some of the security concerns with the United States government. TikTok hopes that such investments in the American economy might help cool tensions with various lawmakers who are seeking to ban the app from the country or push for a possible U.S. acquisition. As Christians observe some of the benefits that come along with TikTok, we also must be aware of the company's continued relationship with the Chinese Communist Party and many of these human rights abuses perpetrated by the Chinese state. If you want more information about this ongoing TikTok battle as an issue of human dignity, I encourage you to check out last week's weekly tech newsletter or podcast. Next up, we talk about a story from the New York Times covering the controversial facial recognition startup Clearview AI that's starting to mount a First Amendment defense. Clearview AI is a technology startup that specializes in providing facial recognition services to a number of law enforcement agencies throughout the nation. Clearview AI is now facing a number of lawsuits from states all across the nation, including California, Illinois, New York, Virginia, and Vermont, over alleged privacy violations. The controversial software works by using artificial intelligence technology to compare a photo of a person of interest to a massive database of billions of images that have been scrubbed from social media and other internet platforms in an attempt to identify the individual in question. To many, these services present an alarming case of an invasion of privacy in which not only are countless images being harvested from all across the internet, but they're being digitally analyzed so that almost anyone could be identified using a single photo. Clearview AI is arguing that its actions are protected by the First Amendment, claiming that free speech laws protect its right to use and distribute information that has been made publicly available on the internet, such as our photos. The way that these cases are ruled will set a crucial precedent on how the relationship between free speech and privacy in a digital age will be interpreted. Regardless of where Christians stand on this issue, we must continue to be vigilant when using these technologies and internet platforms, understanding that our activity will be more consequential than we often realize. The last story in the rundown this week comes from Reuters that explains a UK court ruling that finds police use of facial recognition unlawful. Last Tuesday, the British court ruled that the South Wales Police Force use of facial recognition technology to identify persons of interest was an unlawful violation of privacy data and equality protections. The police force said that it would not appeal the decision, but noted that the use of this technology since the preliminary trials in 2017 had resulted in 61 arrests for crimes including theft and robbery. A lower court had initially ruled that the agency's use of surveillance was lawful, but Tuesday's overriding decision cited concerns that the force was given little to no limitation on how this technology could be used. 
Additionally, the court found that the police use of facial recognition software failed to take in the required measures to protect people against racial and gender bias. As believers who understand that all humans are created in God's image and have equal dignity and worth in the eyes of God, we know that we should be diligent to speak out when there are various biases or discriminatory uses of technology such as facial recognition, especially in law enforcement practices. Further, though innovations such as facial recognition may initially be used with the intent to make our citizens and communities safer, we must also be mindful of the ways that these tools can be utilized in abusive and harmful ways, and we must do all that we can to uphold the sanctity of human life both in the public and private spheres. From all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to thank you for listening. I'm grateful for my entire team at the ERLC, especially Marissa Postel and Isaac Whitney, who help to do research and post this podcast each week, as well as Gary Lancaster and the audio team who produce these episodes each week. If you enjoyed Weekly Tech, would you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app? These reviews really help us to know how we're doing, and also they help share the word about Weekly Tech with others. As a reminder, you can always check out the show notes for the stories we talk about here on Weekly Tech in your podcasting app. You can also get them directly in your inbox each week as part of the Weekly Tech newsletter. Sign up today at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week.